I think the biggest holdback that I had uh, was I was a people pleaser. When you do that, you can't do it to the point where it's impacting you in a negative way. And for me, it, that was a hard lesson to learn because, you know, why am I burning out? Why am I stressed? It's like, well, you are saying yes way too much to things and you're not saying yes to you. You got to take care of yourself first. Um, helping somebody out as a one-off is fine, but if it starts taking away from your own well-being, your self-care, the things that you need to do so that you're the best version of you, that's going to impact you. And that's what I was doing. I was giving, 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 and not taking care of myself. And that will take a toll in the very short term and in the long term, obviously. So for me, that was the biggest awakening was, okay, I need to establish boundaries on what I say yes to and make sure that I prioritize the things to take care of me first. I have to take care of me first. And that was a very difficult thing to implement. I have to take care of me first. Is it selfish? Maybe, but who's in my situation, all of those things happened to me by my own doing, of course. No one really attempted to stop me from doing those things. That might seem overwhelming for some people, but I didn't do it overnight. Um, just like my heart attack and everything, that didn't happen overnight as far as the things that led up to it. Just as much as everything that I did afterwards was not an overnight thing. It took a few years for me to fine-tune, and I'm still doing it. And it's you know like going to you know a hardware store. You're like, oh wow, I need that tool. I think that's going to help the next time I work on this. It's the same thing. I just oh you know what I think I'm going to add that to the tool bag of things that I can use for myself or you know to guide others on, on navigating through their own burnout journey. That's Michael Levitt, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do a Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them? and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the show today. I have a good friend of mine, and I say that genuinely. My wife laughs at me for referring to all these people as my friends because I've had them on my show or I've been on their show or... You know, just gotten to know them remotely. But actually, first of all, I think they can count as friends. And second of all, this is a guy who I've actually spent a lot of time together with because we were part of a mastermind group. We met every week over video. We got to see each other. Uh, we talked about what was really going on. We bared our souls. And I got to find out the true message behind the scenes of someone I've come to consider a great inspiration, a great guide, really. Um, a really educated person on a subject we all face every single day. His name is Michael Levitt, and that subject is burnout. And when you hear Michael's story, you'll understand why he's so good on this subject. He has done unreal field research on it. Uh, unfortunately, he had what is a very crazy, difficult, basically one year, a little bit longer than that, where he had a massive heart attack, lost his job, lost his home. I mean, like everything, one after the other, bang, 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 in succession. And he learned how burnout was playing a role in that. He learned how to come back from that. And while burnout recovery is really important, 
what he learned that's even more important, though perhaps most of us aren't ready to do it yet because we're still in the throes of it, is how to avoid burnout in the first place. So we get into all that. The story is gripping. Um, it's pretty extreme. So maybe you're like, well, I'm not facing that. Are you facing pieces of it? Are you facing a different incarnation of the same sort of downfall or the same sort of spiral? Might you be? Are you being honest with yourself? Michael really, well, he pushed that question in me, and I think he'll do the same for you. So let's get into this episode with Michael Levitt. Michael Levitt, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. It's great to have you on. Great to be with you again, Brian. I think I asked you to, to be on the show before the show was the show when I was thinking about putting it together and uh, both of us have been busy and maybe just too, too familiar for it to be like a formal enough thing that we actually mm -hmm. made the explicit effort to pause what go. we were doing. But um, I'm excited. Your story floored me that first night when we first spoke on uh, sometime in 2017. I don't even remember when we started in this mastermind together. Yeah, it was a while ago. I'm yeah. trying to remember myself. Uh, I'd have to go through my emails to see when the first note from Kim was yeah. about. Uh, we we have a epic group that needs to come together. So yeah, uh, but it's been it's been some time for sure. Yeah. Um. So for those who don't know, we were part of a, a group that we ended up calling ourselves the Unretireables because we all were planning to retire, but yet not actually retire. Just do things more focused on what our message is like this show and Michael's show and we'll get into all that. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know any of the background except for Aaron Hawkins, um, him and Kim. And then, you know, going around and I'm like, Oh my God, she wasn't kidding when she's like epic group of people that need to come together. Um, so yeah, can you high level us? What, what's, uh, what's your current world look like other than sitting here talking to me? Current world uh, is I run an organization called Breakfast Leadership. So I work with individuals and teams on burnout prevention, preferably, but too often, unfortunately, it's burnout recovery. Uh, dealing with people that have just burned out, they're stressed. Uh, they don't know which way is up. They've lost pretty much everything as far as enjoyment of life. And mm. we get them back to a normal state and then we go in deeper where we just start working with them and figuring out what caused the burnout in the first place and that's too often a lot of people avoid that step but it's important so the burnout doesn't happen again which unless you address the reasons why you had it it will come back yeah yeah so it becomes burnout prevention even if you didn't prevent the specific burnout that brought you in in the first place exactly yeah um and God, do you know about this firsthand? Um, I, I kind of like, I, I just want to get into the story because it's, it's mind blowing that mm -hmm. year and a few days, year and four days um, was pretty damn harrowing. So yeah, can you take us back to when, when does your story begin and how do we get through it? Yeah, but the 369 days, which will make sense in a minute, uh, kicked off in May of 2009, but the precursor to that took place a couple of years earlier. I had started in a new role as a healthcare executive for a startup medical organization just outside of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. I'm a dual citizen, US and, and Canadian, and I, I do like to joke that means I can vote and screw up two countries, and then I leave it at that, because you never know who's gonna be on, on the line as far as what political party or flavor yeah. they like. But uh, I, I say that tongue in cheek. But this role was a startup role, and 
I had startup experience before I worked in Chicago for an internet market research firm and did a lot of work with them. And they became a global organization and grew by leaps and bounds. So I was familiar with you know the chaos that a startup can bring. But the healthcare space was something brand new to me. I didn't work in this field before. So I had to learn pretty much everything about the sector and working with people. I had some good mentors, but the hours were pretty intense. Mm. And I think looking back at that, the reason why they were intense is because I allowed them to be intense. Uh, I was basically advising the board of directors who I reported to of what was going on and building up the team and recruiting physicians and you know, getting the word out in this community that was desperate for physicians that we were here and we were in business and let's get going. But we had to educate the people on what exactly we were and what we were doing. So that went on for a couple of years. So pedal to the floor, just constantly going, not taking care of myself, not resting right, not eating well. Uh, my nutritional choices were basically order through a microphone and drive around the corner and get handed a bag. Yeah. And that was my niece. Yeah, that was my meals, uh, and it turned into basically breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, that's not good for your body, yeah. uh, and it, it took a toll on that. And then, of course, the stress levels and you know, the warning signs were there too, um, where the things that I enjoyed doing, I no longer enjoyed doing. And it wasn't a case of, okay, you move on in life, and it's not as much fun. No, it, that wasn't the case. It was, I was really burned out, and it all came to a head. In May of 2009, when at age 40, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. Hmm. Um, I had two blockages in my left interior descending artery, which anybody in the cardiology world, we refer to that artery as the widow maker. Typically, when people have blockages and have a heart attack with that artery, they don't survive. Thankfully, I did. Uh, but what that did... Uh, was it kicked off what I like to refer to as my year of worst case scenarios. And after that, after recovering from my heart attack for 17 weeks, I went back to a job that I no longer had. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I was let go. Uh, the organization wanted to go in a different direction. Um, and while you're recovering or you got back and then they hit you? I, I, I got back. They made sure that I had a doctor's note saying that I was cleared to work with no conditions. And then once I handed them that note, they handed me a letter. Right. So um, needless to say, that was a wonderful experience going, okay, I just had a heart attack. I've just had a few months to recover. Yeah. Now I'm without a job. Mind you, remind this is... 2009. Yeah, so it's not a great a, time to be looking for a job. Yeah, the economic situation in the U.S. and Canada was bad. And being in the Windsor, Ontario region, it's a, right across the border from Detroit. And we all remember what was happening to the auto sector during that little recession. It was yeah. basically a heartbeat away, pardon the pun, uh, of you know, GM and Chrysler for sure. You know, we're close to going out of business completely. So, you know, the government obviously bailed them out. and. Yep. They're still around, although I just saw in the news that uh, GM may have lost $3 billion over a recent strike. So um, yeah. so much so much for getting that GM discount on the next vehicle. Yeah, uh, Chrysler's name starts with Fiat now. Yep, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a growing up in that area. You know, I know that the auto sector is a roller coaster on a good day, and it's one of those things where I'm glad I don't work in that industry. Yeah. I, uh, but so here I am, a heart attack job loss and now I have to find a job. And of course I 
there was nothing really around there. So we had to expand our, our window of search. So looked at Chicago because I'd been in Chicago for about six years prior to moving back to that area. And even that area, which you know, is typically pretty good as far as finding opportunities, you know, it was a desert. There was yeah. just nothing around. And it took me several months to be able to find something. And I was able to find employment, ironically, in the healthcare sector in Toronto. Yeah. And my, my parents wanted to have me committed. They're like, wait a minute, you're going back into the field that nearly killed you? What in the world is wrong with you? Mm. As it's called, I need to eat. Yeah. You know, I have bills to pay. So found the job, which would mean that we would be relocating. And that was about a four-hour commute. Who's uh, we? Uh, my wife, my children, and myself. Okay. So after getting up to Toronto, um, and I was up here for roughly six weeks, got a phone call from my oldest daughter, and she would have been 10 at the time. And she was crying, and I couldn't understand her, and finally was able to decipher that the bank had repossessed our family vehicle. Now, when you're on unemployment for as long as I was, which was close to a year, um, needless to say, uh, the money isn't what it should be. So you have to choose between food yeah. and paying your bills. And uh, family of five, food was kind of important. Now, we you know, thankfully had negotiated deals with all of our creditors, you know, our mortgage company and the auto loan to say, okay, can we do just interest payments and things like that? And, and we did. And the biggest challenge for us, too, from not only being able to pay for food and having limited income is now I'm a cardiac patient, which means yeah. I was on medication, which was costing roughly $800 a month. Mind you, I had no drug coverage because I was unemployed and didn't have a job. Uh, so that's one of those things. If anybody takes anything away from this, take care of yourself because medication is not cheap. And after going through that and, and hearing that um, the bank had repossessed our family vehicle, of all the losses that I had um, during that year, that was the one that bothered me the most because I wasn't physically there in the Windsor area when that happened. Um, I was in Toronto. So I felt kind of lost. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, this is, this is rough. Now, we were in the process of getting our house ready for sale. Uh, while we were in Toronto, and I was looking at nights and weekends for a place to move the family up to Toronto. And thankfully, we found one. And we moved in the middle of May. Now, after we moved in, we had movers and brought everything, we realized that we had left behind the ladder for our daughter's bunk bed. Mm -hmm. Now, I was going back to the Detroit area to visit my brother towards the end of May of 2010. And I said, well, I'll just swing by the house because it's going to go on the market in another week or so. I'll go by the house, grab the fence or the, uh, um, the ladder and, and see if there's anything else that we left behind. So I visited my brother and then swung by the house on the way back to Toronto. And when I got to the house, I opened up the screen door and saw the hugest padlock I've ever seen in my life. Um, you can't buy this padlock at Home Depot. I don't know where they sell this thing. Amazon maybe, but it was gigantic. And there was a small note that said foreclosure. So at that moment, I'm like, okay, over a period of 369 days, I had the heart attack, job loss, car repossession, home foreclosure. And you know, I talk about this in my book. I said at that particular moment, 
And even to this day, I have never felt more peaceful than I did at that moment. Wow. This I didn't hear in your story. Why? Yeah. Because I knew at that particular moment that it was done. There was nothing else. You know, they, I, I survived. I was alive. Had another job. Had a family, another vehicle that we could use. And had a place to live. And this was it. I was like, this was the chapter closing. And I knew it was done. And for a lot of people, you know, I'm sure they would freak out. You go to get into your home and you can't because, you know, the bank said it's no longer yours. And I know that frustrates a lot of people and would be detrimental to a lot of their emotions, psyche, you name it. But for me, I thought, okay, right, that's done. So closed the door, went back, called home and said, yeah, we're not going to get that bunk bed ladder or anything else that we left behind because the bank has it now and called the realtor and said, well, you may get to sell this house, but it's not going to be from us. Uh, contact the bank. Um, you know, they own it now. Uh, so it was one of those things where going through that experience in surviving everything, I had three choices, either a realized, Hey, I survived all that. I must be Superman. Okay, good. I'm just going to continue going on living. B play the victim and blame everybody. Uh, the bank, the board of directors, the fast food joints, all those for you know, trying to kill me or take a look in the mirror and go, okay, who was the common person in all of these situations? And it was me. And I realized, okay, do I want to go through that again? Do I want to put my loved ones and friends through that again? No. Okay. I need to reinvent myself. Not easy at 40 or at any age, quite frankly, but for me, it was something that was the path that I chose. And it took time. You know, first it's like, okay, let's get things stabilized as far as living in Toronto, going from a community of a quarter million to an area that has over 7 million people slight adjustment hmm. uh, and you know, for everybody involved, you know, I'd worked in Chicago, which has a few million, which wasn't too big, but it's, you know, you jam 7 million people into an area such as Toronto, it, it, you're still dealing with a lot of traffic and way of life and everything was completely different. So adjusting to those things and learning more about me uh, was crucial. Uh, one of the things I'll never forget, uh, my family doctor at the time, you know, told me in the hospital, because he came to visit and see how things were going. He said, you're going to be more in tune with your body than you ever were in your life before. Hmm. You're going to recognize everything. Uh, you're not going to be a hypochondriac, but you're going to notice things because you're more in tune with it now. And he was completely true on that because I, I know when something's a little bit off and I can identify and go, okay, what do I need to do to adjust this? Is it lack of sleep? I, turn funny? You know, did I eat something that's not agreeing with me? What, you know, what's going on? So one of the many benefits of going through, you know, that ordeal was I'm more in tune with me, both from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint as well. Where did that capability come from? Is it something physical with the heart attack or just the forced wake up to pay more attention? Like where, where do you think that came from? I, I think it was the forced attention. Um, you know, my, you know, my heart knock on wood is, um, is awesome. Uh, there's very, very little scar tissue. I'm very fortunate on that. 
Uh, every time I have, you know, a, a checkup, which I tend to do every year, you know, the doctors say you don't necessarily do it, but I'm like, well, if, if you don't have a problem with it, yeah. I'd much rather do it. So if we catch something, I'm, it's only, you know, a few months out instead of a couple years out. And then that way you can adjust accordingly if you need to. And thankfully, uh, the only thing that's happened is I've come off my medications, and oh, huh. that's, um, which is, and which is great because, you know, the side effects and all the other stuff, I, thankfully they were mild. Um, I didn't really deal with a lot of the side effects that you hear all the commercials talk about, thankfully, but you, you still, it's like, I don't want to be on these. I'm yeah. 40 years old. I don't want to have to carry around a pill container. Yeah. I just no. I said, you know, they're looking at me. It's like, oh, you're buying that for your parent? No, I'm buying it for me. Yeah. It's like, I don't, this is not cool. I yeah. don't want to do this. So what do I need to do to change this? And tons and tons of research. You know, first it was just for me. I wasn't researching for anybody else. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? You know, let's figure this out. And once I did, you know, it brings awareness to a lot of things, you know, from, you know, from a stress management standpoint to how you eat, you know, resting, uh, boundaries, all of the things that I you know, talk about and help people with, it's all components. Everybody thinks it's okay. It was one thing. Well, it wasn't, it was a lot of things, you know, not just, you know, from my diet and lack of exercise and everything else, there was a lot of other things going on that led up to that wonderful year that I had. With, uh, with the transformation, mm -hmm. so it took some time. What what was because there's a lot of people who want to reinvent themselves and and right. then also immediately see a wall and they're like, well, I can't because name your excuse, age, too many years, you know, what whatever, what often time based or family, you know, I can't because I need to provide or I, you know, people are depending on me or whatever. Again, whatever the excuse is, and it may be valid, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's impossible. So what was your biggest, what did you feel your biggest holdback was, or, or did you even perceive one because it felt like such a necessity? I think the biggest holdback that I had, um, was I was a people pleaser. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I put others before me, you know, serve and, and, and give and whatnot. And when you do that and there's nothing wrong with helping people out, I, I if you can do, but you can't do it to the point where it's impacting you in a negative way, where yeah. whether it's your health, your mental, whatever the case may be. And for me, it, that was a hard lesson to learn because, you know, I, I inherited that in a way or saw that with my parents and what they did and my grandparents. So this was generational. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find that a lot where people are trying to figure out, you know, why am I burning out? Why am I stressed? It's like, well, you are saying yes way too much to things and you're not saying yes to you. You got to take care of yourself first. Um, helping somebody out as a one-off is fine, but if it starts taking away from your own well-being, your self-care, the things that you need to do so that you're the best version of you, mm. that's going to impact you. And that's what I was doing. I was giving, giving, giving and not taking care of myself. And that will take a toll in the very short term and in the long term, obviously. So for me, that was the biggest awakening was, okay, I need to establish boundaries on what I say yes to and yeah. make sure that I prioritize the things to take care of me first. I have to take care of me first. And that was a very difficult thing to implement, uh, both for myself and 
and a lot of times when you're dealing with family members, friends, coworkers, if they're used to you doing and giving, giving, and all of a sudden you don't, unless you explain to them why you're going through this change or adjustment, they may be put off by it. They're going, yeah. wait a minute, how come you're not doing this anymore? Yeah. Well, how come you don't want to do this? And like, I have to take care of me first. Is it selfish? Maybe, but you, who's <laughs> in my situation, all of those things happen to me by my own doing, of course. No one, at least from reflection, really attempted to stop me mm. from doing those things. There may have been a couple of people saying, yeah, you look tired. Maybe you need to take some time off, which I did. But that wasn't enough. I needed to change my perspective and approach to living mm -hmm. you know, from every aspect. And that might seem overwhelming for some people, but I didn't do it overnight. Yeah. Um, just like my heart attack and everything, that didn't happen overnight as far as the things that led up to it. Just as much as everything that I did afterwards was not an overnight thing. It took a few years for me to fine tune and I'm still doing it. You know, I'm still learning things, you know, through my research and reading and, and talking with other people that have gone through burnout and like, how did you get through that? What did you do? Yeah. And it's, you know, like going to, you know, a hardware store, you're like, Oh wow, I, I need that tool. I think that's going to help the next time I work on this. It's the same thing. I just, Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to add that to the tool bag of things that I can use for myself or, you know, to guide others on, navigating through their own burnout journey. I'm really curious if you think you could have gotten through to this place without the, maybe not the full year, but at least the heart attack, if not the rest of it. Do you think you needed the kick? And, and there's a follow-up question with that one. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I needed, I needed a swift kick um, and it needed to be severe. It yeah. needed to be everything that happened I honestly feel needed to happen to wake me up uh, because I was on a path of self-destruction, you know, and when it paved with good intent, it wasn't a case where I was, you know, doing all of these things to, you know, hurt the world or anything mm. like that. I was, I was trying to grow a medical practice and help people get healthier and give access to healthcare and, and, raise a family and all of these other things. So all noble things that uh, on the surface, like, yeah, that, those are, those are good things to do. But yeah. I, I was doing it in such a way that, uh, I was basically emptying all the drawers, my pockets, everything else and say, okay, here's my life. I don't need it. And you, you do as you will with it. And that was the, the wrong approach to do it. Yeah. Well, so here's the follow-up question, and this is this to me is is actually one of the toughest ones we face in doing this kind of work. Is so you needed the kick. How can other people come to that realization without it, or why is it possible? How is it possible to do that without getting that kick? Because I hear that from people when they're like, mm -hmm. "Well, I didn't have that kind of moment, so I can't." Mm -hmm. So what's what's your take on that? Because it's a bit of a paradox. Yeah, I I, I think it. <laughs> You have to ask yourself a question. Is your life providing the fulfillment that you want and expect? Are there things in your life that are bothering you or impacting you in a way that you think is holding you back? And these are philosophical questions you have to ask yourself and, and sit down and, and, and talk with a trusted advisor as well, whether it's a, a therapist or someone that can tell you 
like it is mm. you know, a, a good friend or a family member, uh, maybe not your spouse, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe depending on your, or, you know, a close family member, it really depends on them being able to tell you as they see things in a way where it's not either a condemning or be biased. You know, it's got to be something where it's like, okay, this is an observation type of thing. That's why I, I think a lot of times in you know, talking with either a therapist or someone that's a little distant from you, but it's close enough to be able to see the things that you can bounce some things off of because I see it all the time, you know, and I'm working with people or even walking down the street in Toronto. It's like, it could be a sunny day and it's like, what's with all the zombies? Okay, mm-hmm. Why, why is everybody just completely defeated? And like, it's sunny. It's not snowing yet. Yeah. Um, and you're walking to and from work or lunch you have the ability to go by lunch and go back to an office as you walk by people that are unfortunately sleeping on the sidewalk because the homeless situation in Toronto is skyrocketing. Yeah. So it's like you you have your mental health more or less, you've got physical health more or less, you've got a job, you're living somewhere, you're you're doing well, but you're not fulfilled. So there's something amiss there. What you know, what is it? And sometimes that's a big struggle for people to figure out, okay, what does fulfillment mean to me? I can say you can chase joy and happiness and those are important, but aim for fulfillment. Like, okay, what, you know, how can you live a life that you and what you want to do and, and figure out where those shortcomings are and take steps to increase, you know, the fulfillment in your life. And it could be anything, you know, for everybody it's different. You know, some people like simple things. Some people like going on extravagant vacations. Go for it. Whatever, whatever you need to do, figure out a way to get it done and and be present when you're doing those things. Because believe me, when you go on vacation, you're blinking like, wait a minute, where'd that go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just coming off of uh, a, a four-day trip with my family to New York. And uh, that is a city that demands presence. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, because there's so much going on. And of course, you know, I'm there with my son. And so like, I need to stay present to be aware for him as well, because he's not used to that level of activity and, um, you know, good and bad. There's a lot going on. There's all of a sudden there's someone who's, you know, having a very tough time in life lashing out or, um, you know, there's suddenly be a person sleeping in the middle of the sidewalk right in front of you or something. So, you know, to him, he's just kind of like blinded by all of it. Like it's mm-hmm. just too much. And so I, I had to like double my vigilance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, just be more present. Um, so I still, you know, that I, I get once you're in it to the, the path, the questions. And I know a lot of the work you do with companies is to help their employees get there. Mm-hmm. What about for people who like, it's sort of what could spark someone to want to ask those questions in the first place. Because I think a lot of us go through our lives sort of good enough or with the idea that like, well, you know, you don't get to have everything you want. And so like, yeah, am I fulfilled in life? Is it really what I want? No, but that's not reality. Um, I do think so much of it comes back to this, just like you just got to, you know, buckle down and, and get through it and like suck it up, buttercup. This is the real world. You know, you don't get to have it easy. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe without having to go through the extremes you went through, 
-hmm. is there something we can all pause if we're not if we're sort of justifying the not goodness of things or not good enoughness if neither of those is a word um if you can say it it's a word i just it's a word now yeah i mean because because you're in front of people regularly trying to spark that self-discovery to get them to that better place and i imagine not everyone's like oh yeah good point yeah i need to change um and then actually change what is there something that gets people to sort of have that personal aha to actually do the digging? Because if you're not awake to it, you're not really going to dig effectively. Yeah, one of the exercises I have people do, and every time I do it, I get a groan from them, is <laughs> I have them I have them take a sheet of paper and draw a vertical line down the middle of it. And on the left side, you know, take a few minutes and list out all the things that they truly enjoy doing or experiencing. It could be going to a ball game, you know, walk in a park, going on vacation to a particular destination, drinking this coffee from this particular coffee shop somewhere and just be as you know complete as possible on those just things that they really, really enjoy. And, you know, I have them talk about it. It's like, well, why is, you know, what's so special about, you know, that cup of coffee? And, you know, they'll, they'll start talking about things and they're bringing in things and you can see them, you know, their emotions are, are you know, they're, they have some happiness and joy and maybe a smile on their face and they, they do all these things. So after they list all of those things on the right side of the paper, I have them write down the last time that they did those things. And that's when I get the groan uh. because they realize that they're not doing things in their life that they enjoy doing. Uh. And I ask them, why aren't you doing these? Because the majority of the time, the things on this list are stuff that they can do pretty much whenever they want. Okay, yes, a, a trip across you know, the ocean. Okay, yeah, you have to book that. that. That's expensive. It takes some time and coordination. I get that. But a coffee shop that's 10 minutes from your home, yeah, that's a 10-minute, 20-minute, maybe half an hour excursion. Yeah. Um, why why aren't you doing it? And then they'll say, well, I don't have time. And I go, okay. Um, last time I checked and I look, I have not found any clocks that have 25 hours on them. Yeah. We, we all have 24 hour clocks. How we spend that time is important. And many times, most of us go through life without planning how we spend our days. It's just autopilot. Yeah. And we, we get up, we get on the subway or we get in the car, we drive to work, we do the work thing, we come home, we do the things and wash, rinse, repeat. And like, well, I don't have time to go spend 30 minutes in my favorite coffee shop. And I'll ask him, okay, do you have a Netflix subscription? Yeah. Well, what's your favorite show? I, I'm really looking forward to the new season of Lucifer. Great. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent show. You know, that's all that stuff. How often do you watch Netflix? Oh, probably a few hours a day. There you go. I just found you thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of people will say, and I've seen this. You know, it's like we'll get up a half hour earlier. Um, for some people, it might be easier to walk to the moon than get up that yeah. half hour earlier. It's like I get it. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to yeah. ask you when do you wake up? When do you go to bed? Is there consistency there? Okay. Color block things, and you know, a good colleague of mine called me out on my BS because what I do is I use uh, Google Calendar uh, for both personal and professional and I color code things and anything that's personal or self-care is 
my favorite color, which is blue. So that way I can look at my calendar on a given day, week, month, quarter, whatever, and I can just don't look at the text. I can just yeah. actually see the colors. And if I'm not seeing enough blue, I know that I'm out of balance. Yeah. And I can adjust accordingly. And keeping track of your time is important just to know how you're doing things. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not being you – know, I'm not going to condemn anybody for saying, okay, they watched three hours to Netflix today. Great. Yeah. You know, there's people to do all kinds of things for three hours. I could be watching sports or I could be writing or reading or who knows what. That's fine. I don't I'm, I'm not here. I just want you to have an understanding of how you're spending your time yeah. so that we can find little corners here and there on that list of things that you enjoy to do. Yeah. And start doing them. And the, the follow up exercise after they list all the dates that they you know lasted and things, I ask them to pick two things on that list and put it on their calendar in the next 10 days. Do not cancel it. Do not reschedule it. Mm. Tr treat it as if it's the most important meeting you'll ever have with your boss. And your boss is you. Yeah. You run your life. So go spend 30 minutes at that coffee shop. Um, yeah. it, at first, it's going to feel weird. Yeah. You're going to feel anxious. You might feel edgy. You're going to be like, I could be doing this. I should be doing this. Your brain's going to be going, hey – Tell I, I refer to the amygdala as Amy G. Dalla. I, I say tell tell Amy to shut the hell up. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, be present and and do those things and start implementing a couple of those things in your schedule. And after time, you'll you start to harmonize your life. So you're not just all doing this or all doing this. You're you're building some things in, and you'll figure it out. You know. Yeah. And when you do that, you start thinking. Okay, you look at it and you go, I enjoy doing that. And then you start thinking, hmm, how can I put another thing on my schedule that I enjoy doing? Right. right. And then then it starts to – you start getting more fulfillment and joy in your life. Yeah. And you haven't you haven't done anything else. Yeah. It's just that. And once they do that and they start getting that back, then they start looking at other areas of their life and going, okay, well, how am I spending my time at work? Yeah. And they, then they can do the same exercise. The key thing, though, is to make sure – that you talk to your bosses about that and say, look, I'm doing this self-work on this thing and I'm looking at, I'm not trying to change anything. I just want to get a better understanding of how I'm spending my time at work to see if I can be more productive. And, you know, most of the time the employers are like, if I can get more productivity out of you and not have to pay you more, they're usually on board with that. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I want to go back to the wake up earlier comment because mm -hmm. that, I agree with you. Whether it's easy or hard, what I found is when people do that, they end up stretching the time suckers out. Mm -hmm. So they might get up at 5.30 instead of 6. So they'd have the half an hour to go get the coffee, but then they're dragging in the morning, their phone's out, they get lost in Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is, or in the news. Mm -hmm. Their time in the bathroom gets longer because their phones are with it. It's like you've, you've just given the monster more food and it's just ate it all. Yeah. What you're talking about is actually the path to learning the skills to be able to control for this longer term. So starting with two, but to get to that two, you have to you have to learn and employ these skills that then once you do that and you get a little dopamine hit from creating that space, you now have the ability to find how to stretch to make it four or five or three or whatever the, the magic number is when you start to feel like you're in balance. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the color coding. I do that as well. And it's a, like I actually blur my eyes so I can't see the words. Mm -hmm. And I just look at the calendar. And I'm like, oh, OK, where do I stand with things? Even 
even uh, just for context shifting, to know like without having to go into the details of what the meeting is, is like today is this kind of day or thematically this is what I'm about right now. And it, it right. lets me shift my mind instead of continuing to carry the baggage from the past theme into the next thing. It's like, no, so now it's yellow. We're not mm-hmm. doing red anymore, so stop. And now it's a yellow meeting, and it's like it allows me to let go a little bit of whatever we were working on before, and bring my whole mind to the current the current thing we're we're focusing on. Yeah, I love that, and I, I do that a lot with my calendar. I'll make sure that there's enough slack time in between meetings, and if I look at, okay, wow, that week looks a little heavy when it comes to something. What can I shift? Is there anything that I can reschedule? Is there anything that I can just say you know with all due respect to the people it's like this is not an important meeting for me i think i'm going to delete it and let them know i can't meet at this time let's you know know, revisit this in a couple months and and schedule because i use a you know crm to follow up on something so it'll it'll tick back and i'll say okay if i had any interaction with with this group or this person you know, maybe I'll send a, a quick follow-up to see if there's interest. If there isn't, then it's like, okay, I'm going to close the task. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, the, that way it gives me a little bit more, more elbow room. And, and also too, it, it, it gives you that extra elbow room to do the things you want to do. And you know, one of the things I, you see a lot of people talk about, about waking up an extra half hour or so is, you know, don't, you know, don't pick up the eye binky first thing in the morning. You know, you know, go, go. <laughs> I've never heard it referred to that way. It's brilliant. That is my yeah. brother's <laughs> nickname for my eye binky because, um, you know, I'm, you know, it's, I use it. It's a tool. It's, it's, it's my work device. It's a personal device. Yeah. And, you know, the nice thing that, you know, Apple did is they give you that time check thing saying, yeah, you've spent this much time on your phone. And I see that and I go, ooh. And yeah. just just myself going, yeah, um, that's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. And then I, I think back, I was thinking, what did I do on this day where I spent that much time on my phone? What yeah. did it move things for? Did it move my business for? Did I help people? Did I get personal growth from researching something? Or did I go down the social media rabbit hole and yeah. was just looking to see things? And, you know, it'll break it down for you. And you're like, okay. And it, so it's yeah, using an old, I used to work for an IT firm years ago. It's like eating your own dog food was a term that they used. It's like, you know, we have to use the product that we sell. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's like, okay, boundaries around your time, how you spend your time, things like that. I need to eat my own dog food from yeah. time to time. Go, well, what am I doing? And is this making sense? Is it good, a good use of my time? Yeah. Or could I do something else? And it, you know, as much as I'd love to say, it's like you implement this and then it's there and it's, it's, you know, the foundation is there and everything's good. There's just like in anything in life, there's, there's moments where you have to take a little bit of a pause, reflect, take a look at things. How are things going? Because naturally we can get off, off center a little bit. And the key thing is to, you know, find our true North and, and figure out, okay, what, what I need to do and adjust accordingly and do it without self-judgment and i think that's a big thing i see with people is yeah they're awful awfully hard on themselves when it comes to making these tweaks in their life and mm-hmm. it's like you gotta take care of yourself and you gotta love yourself and be willing to understand you know it's like if your boss was mad at you you'd want them to have some understanding about the mistakes you made right well it's the same thing just yeah. you know, give yourself some grace on this and you'll You'll figure it out. You know, it's going to take time, but you'll get there. Yeah. I know. I think that that's really fair. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just remembering right now when we, uh, I, I wrote a piece for Inc. on Burnout, Inc. Magazine, and I was like, I want an expert on this. And so I, I gave you a, a shout and you provided something. And actually your point about pushing back or saying, hey, you know, this day's looking a bit tough. Could we reschedule that? Or is it okay if I don't come? That's not something I ever did before uh, getting you to opine on that article. And that that was the thing I took away is like, you know what? I sit through so many meetings where I'm just like burning inside. and like, I have so much else to do. I'm not really a part of this. Why am I here? It's like, you know what? I'm just going to say like, actually, today's really tight. Um, I think I'm probably not going to add a ton to this. Would you mind if I didn't come? Or could we move it to next week? Or, you know, and I'll, I'll look out. I had a really good assistant at the time and she would be like, she would call me out. She's like, you have too much going on today. She's mm-hmm. like, I, I'm almost at the point where I have to schedule time for you to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I wish you did, because then I would know I'd have five minutes free at like 10.55. You can't call a meeting and be like, guys, I have to go pee, so we're going to end the meeting here. That just doesn't, like business-wise, maybe that doesn't flow. Right. But uh, she would help me get better about that. But it wasn't until I got that opinion from you for that article that I was like, no, it's about time I start taking my own medicine. And that was a game changer for me. Okay. Um, and it was super uncomfortable for, I was going to say a week, maybe up to a month, where you know I felt like a jerk half the time. Now I don't think twice about it. I'm like, no, this day is not, this is not the way this day should be built. And so mm-hmm. even, you know, you might feel selfish. And I think a lot of this conversation leads back to people feeling selfish, selfish, especially givers, obligers, you know, people who are there for others. Um, but actually look at it this way. You're not giving of yourself in the way you wish you would because right. you're, you're pulled too thin. And I yeah. think recognizing that is what gave me the sense of like, I'm not going to come with my whole self and that's not fair to them either. Yeah. So better no, to move the meeting. It, it's, it's crucial. And the thing of it is, that's a great point to add is when you were fully present and fully energized for a meeting or anything that you do, they're getting the best version of you. They're not mm. getting that, okay, this is my seventh meeting today. I'm still trying to process what happened in meetings two through four yeah. and figuring out how in the world am I going to get all that stuff done. So they're talking and you, 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 you're there, but you're not there. Yeah. And, and, and doing that and shifting some things around to give you those, those uh, elbow room points. You know, I do that all the time, whether it's with recording podcasts or meetings or, or whatnot. As a, you know, I'll do it. I try to do it as, you know, before the week ahead mm-hmm. comes up. So I look ahead and see if there's anything shift. Occasionally there might be something where I'm like, you know what, I need to, I really need to move that and yeah. because something else has come up and you let them know. And, you know, most people understand uh, if, if they can't do it, then you, you adjust accordingly. But it, it, it was a game changer for me too. And it was one of those things that came to mind. This is actually in uh, January of 2016. At the time I was, you know, at a healthcare organization had just launched breakfast leadership and I was on two boards of directors. So in the month of January, because I color code meetings, I looked at my calendar. I had 57 external meetings in the month of January. Uh, Do the math there. Um, So I looked at that and then February was looking the same and March would have been as well. 
and I looked at him like, okay, there's no, no way. I won't even have time to go to the bathroom. So I better go to the bathroom in December because I'm not going to see yeah. the toilet until March. So, and that's not going to be good yeah. uh, for anybody involved. So I, I looked at him like, okay, something's got to give. And what I ended up doing was resigning from those two boards of directors. Hmm. And that freed up because I was on committees and all kinds of other yeah. stuff. And I just, I did that. And then I looked at, you know, the meetings that I had to go to in the healthcare setting and either delegated the meetings or said, I'm going to conference call in, which sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. And I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Uh, so it was a case of, okay, I have to drop a grenade in this because there's just no way I, I saw. And my meetings were red at the time. And all I saw in my calendar, and I didn't have to squint either. I just yeah. saw red, and you know that's that's one of those colors that you see it. Your brain goes, huh? Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, one of the exercises I'm trying to remember the author who uh, who said this it was at a leadership conference that I was at uh, a year ago. He does something twice a year, you know, beginning of July and and beginning of January, where he looks at all the things that he does, and he deletes something. He said, I'm no longer going to do this. Hmm. And I I looked at that. I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, there might be something that's like, okay, I'm no longer going to handle my social media post or yeah. edit my own podcast, for example. Those are just a couple examples. You know, it could be something minor, but it doesn't have to be this earth-changing thing, but just something that you do that you're no longer going to do. And he does that. You know, twice a year. And I thought, okay, that's actually a good exercise to do. And so in coming up, you know, the timing of this, you know, coming up on the new year. So I will be looking at everything that I do and go, okay, is there anything that I can stop doing? Yeah. You know, if you, if you can't think of anything, by no means does that mean, okay, you have to stop doing something. But um, oftentimes there might be something that you do that yeah. you can adjust accordingly. It's just one of those things where it's giving you that extra time back to be able to do the things that would be beneficial to you. Yeah. And I think going back to the earlier point, even if you can't find anything when you do that first look and maybe come back to it later, um, that exercise, the reflecting, the analyzing, that is that is growth. That is a tool that will serve you down the road. So it's worth doing it. I feel like I should just cut off the episode, like just like people listening and then it just immediately cuts off and we just say, well, we deleted the rest of it. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm bold enough to do that yet. Um, I, I've I've done that before, but that was called a bad edit. And yeah. So, well, that's yeah. that's my fear is people may not get it. Maybe it's a little too subtle. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think I would pick up on it. And so people just be like, "Well, I'm not subscribing to this. This is trash." Yeah. Um, and I hit the mic too, which is also trash. There we go. Oh, and that's a strong go. word. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have to say, um. The splitting the page exercise, that caught me off guard. Okay. Um, I, I, I was with you in the first half. The second half, I, what I expected you to say is now write the things you don't like doing. Oh, yeah. But I like your approach so much better because it's, like, it's not about the negativity. We don't mm -hmm. need to focus on that. What we're trying to show is you're not, you don't have enough time in your current approach for the things you enjoy, and so you're not doing them. And I feel like if we did the negative things, people would go into justification mode. Well, but I have to do that because 
Right. You know, and, and you start, and what you've done is you've just reinforced this life that isn't the life you want with probably things that could be challenged successfully. Like, do you, well, do you have to edit the podcast episode? You could outsource it. Well, I can't afford it. Okay. Well, here's three services that would do it cheaper than what you're thinking of. Or, you know, it, anyway, there, there's lots of different ways that we can start to pick that apart. But if people are doing this exercise by themselves, they will most likely re-justify a lot of those less enjoyable tasks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you talked about it and what you did with the right half of the page, I was like, that's, I think that's more likely to yield a positive result in making a shift. I'm literally going to do it, not when we get off this call, because I have another one, mm-hmm. but um, later today, I'm going, I'm going to, uh, yellow is, is my blue. Okay. I'm going to make some yellow time. There you go. By canceling some red time. And I'm going to do it. That is really powerful. Um, You also have books. You have other exercises. Where can people find out your message more of this? uh, Really? Look, so the burnout article, I don't know if I ever told you it, by far, like by a factor of 10, my biggest ink article. Oh, wow. um, For view, it was also my last, which is kind of ironic. Like the last one I wrote for them did the best. So uh, you went big and you went home. Yeah. 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 I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't stop doing this, but I I made a decision because I wanted to work on my next book, and so I stopped doing. It. I deleted something, um, but yeah, of course, it was like the last one. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't stop, but uh, but I stuck with it. But yeah, I, I your advice was a big part of that. So where can people find more of that advice? Best place to go is breakfastleadership.com. Uh, be fast leadership tends to be all my social media handles. So um, I, I always tell people don't put that on a license plate. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Be fast. That tends to find all the police officers for some reason. Yeah. So don't do that. Uh, but yeah, breakfastleadership.com is where everything's at. And they can find the blog, link to the podcast, uh, the books that I've written, all the fun stuff. That's awesome. And of course, I'll put all that in the notes here and um, and I'll link to that ink article as well. Awesome. Um, I, I got to cheat because I got more of a response from you than what ended up making it past the editors. So it's a little bit shorter than what you sent me originally. So I got more inspiration from your mind than uh, than the readers might get. Uh, that's it's the, the hardest part of writing those things mm-hmm. is the deletion part. You know, you write twelve hundred oh, sure. words and they're like, oh, it's got to be eight hundred this week. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah. Which 400 do I not love as much? Exactly. It's a tough thing. And, and, and keeping the English in line so Mrs. Nicholas doesn't come back and, and hit you upside the head with a ruler. I just yeah. told someone this morning, I edited something, and I was like, um, I'm calling this your Grandma Brian edit because there's a lot of, you're going to roll your eyes a lot at like grammar rules. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that's my new nickname now is Grandma Brian. Um, there you go. Maybe maybe we should just stop it there before I say something else that's absurd. But it's really good to finally get you on. Um, Thank you. No, I've been looking forward uh, to it. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Your story gives me pause, but then the message that grew out of that is something I know personally I need, and I can't think of anyone that I've met or heard of who doesn't, because I think we're all pushing a bit too much generally. Even those yeah. of us who are practitioners of it, we still have oh, moments sure. where we need to do better. Sure. I agree. So thank you for that, Michael. You ready to help me close things out? Let's do it. All right. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Establish those boundaries in your life uh, to protect you. And that way you'll be able to give so much to everybody that you know and love. Wow. That was good. All right. Thank you, sir. Cheers. What a gripping story. I told you it's really extreme, but isn't it 
relatable at the same time? I mean, whether you're facing all of the things that Michael faced, or just one or two of them, or whether you're facing none of them, but maybe something similar that's more relevant to your context, that is a story I think we can all relate to in a a scary kind of way. I know I certainly did, even though I didn't necessarily face the exact set of things that Michael did. And I will say, I actually have been using a lot of the tools that Michael talked about. I've been color coding my calendar for a while now, and that allows me to really quickly see, you know, what my day is like putting burnout aside. It's like, oh, what kind of day am I having today? Is it about this theme or that theme? But also it allows me to see as I step back, am I in balance? Am I actually prioritizing the way I claim to care about things? You know, is, is whatever I've called red getting more airtime than yellow, even if yellow is more of my primary concern? It's a, an easy way to take stock. And in taking stock like that, taking another piece from his advice, can you look to cut some things? You know, Michael cut a couple of board positions he had. Are there things you're doing that actually it's time to say no to them so you can say yes to what matters most? That was certainly something you know, that I've found a lot of value in myself. Um, but there are so many other things that that piece of paper split it down the middle. What do you really enjoy doing? When's the last time you did it? How often are you doing it? Again, it's, it's not a time to feel shame. It's not a time to judge yourself or get annoyed. It's a time to say, okay, this is an opportunity. I can do better to enjoy my life more. And where can I do better from? What can I cut out? What can I diminish? Where can I give more intentionality to something so I'm not spinning my wheels and wasting time with it? We do that a lot. We get pretty mindless. And we have these time sucks all over the place. And to be fair to us, a lot of the things in our lives are designed to suck our time. That's how they make their money. That's what their business model is. You know, social media, it's about pulling us into those news feeds so that we stay in their app, in their experience, getting their ads, getting their eyeballs and revenue, rather than moving on. You see it all the time. If you don't believe me, I always say this, like, Leave your phone behind when you go to the bathroom. See what happens. See how much faster you get out of there. I'm not saying from personal experience. Asking for a friend. All right, we'll leave it at that. So on that uh, highly embarrassing note, take some of this advice into your own world. I know there are things that you wish you were spending more time on. So how are you going to do that? I'm so thankful to Michael for joining me on the show. So great to bring his thoughts and ideas for all of you to take in. And it was just great to reconnect with him. Um, I always enjoy getting time with Michael and it's been too long for both of us. So, so great. Uh, Please do follow Michael, Breakfast Leadership Group. There's a lot of really useful information and tools they put out on the regular. So do check that out and bring it into your life. Don't just read it, do something with it. And you should also check out more from me and from Do A Day. Of course, if you're not subscribed, this is a great opportunity to do that. Maybe you've come in through Michael and you're part of his tribe and you're getting exposure to this show. If you thought that this conversation resonated and you want to hear similar ones, subscribe to the show. Don't miss a single one. We've had lots of amazing people on and more to come down the road. So 
subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Pandora or Google or anywhere. It's literally everywhere. You can just get the direct RSS feed if you like that, and you can go to each show's page, whatever you prefer. I don't have a preference. You get it the way you want to get it. And if you are a listener and you're enjoying it, please do leave us a review and a rating means the world. Another place you can leave a review and a rating is if you've read my books. I'd love to hear from you, whether that's on Amazon or wherever you got the book or just coming to my site, brianfalchuk.com. Shoot me a note. Let me know what you think. It means the world, whether it's do a day, working on yourself, the 5075-100 solution, working on your relationship with others, both of them, some of my articles. I want to hear from you, the people who are taking the time to take in what I'm putting out there. Thank you so much for joining me again. And another round of thanks to Michael Levitt and Breakfast Leadership for all that he shared. I will link to everything Michael Levitt and everything Breakfast Leadership in the show notes. So of course you can get to it really easily there. And I hope to see you next week for another episode of the Do A Day podcast. Thanks everyone.